So should we be doing cold opens in our podcast? Do you know what a cold open is? Remind me. Well, I okay. So the most classic, probably most recognizable example of a cold open is like on Saturday Night Live, where the show's starts, but it's not like a "Hey, welcome to Saturday Night Live." It's a thing. They're just doing a sketch. Right. And then at the end of the sketch, they, you know, instead of, go, you know, going where the sketch would continue, they go and it's welcome to Saturday Night Live or whatever. Or Live from New York it's Saturday night. And they that's yeah. kind of where the thing is. But it's instead of leading you into the show immediately, they just do a sketch. And then the end of the sketch is the intro. Um, so we could be doing those. And just have a little bit of a discussion before we do the introductions. <laughs> sure. Kind of like we're doing now. That's right. So anyway, that's uh, that's a possibility. Welcome to episode one of Retro Resolutions. This is our first, we'll say inaugural real episode. We did record an episode already, but I'm Dylan. I'm Matt. And, uh, yeah, we recorded an episode zero, but, uh, that was kind of like a, Hey, here's what this show's going to be. And we need something to put on the feed so that it can get distributed to all the podcast services. Yeah. So we'll be on, we'll be on all the services, uh, eventually. And hopefully by the time this episode posts, uh, but this week for our inaugural topic, um it was hard to pick i looked at all of our list we have a list going of topics we do eventually want to cover and it was a pretty big list it's yeah i think it's a sizable list but i didn't want to go with something like all the way into the deep end of the pool so that people who are starting out on what they see as episode one go oh i got myself into something i have no interest in you know like like if we got it deep into the into the uh, the thick of like uh, display technologies on episode one, people might be like, "I'm I don't care. I just want to play my emulated games or whatever and listen to a podcast about that." Uh, but I also didn't want to do something entirely uh, like uh, lacking any substance. So we landed Agreed. with what can be considered retro, which I think is ripe for a good discussion. Uh, And we have briefly talked about this. I don't know where you want to start. Well, it's tough because we, yeah, like you said, we talked about this before uh, just in a general, like one, is this a topic we want to discuss? Because it's, it's a tough one uh, to start with. Uh, But it's also such an important piece of course about what this podcast is about uh discussing retro systems retro games uh but what is how do you establish a rule for what is retro right like i guess we have to decide what is the newest possible technology or game that we could talk about and have it still reasonably be considered retro you know what? I didn't consider this until just now. You can hear my tippy taps. I'm going to I'm going to look up the definition of retro. Retro? 
Okay. And according to the fine folks at Wordnig, no, I'm going to go to the uh, Merriam-Webster. The definition of retro, well, so retro itself is like a prefix that means backwards or back, right? Um, But the adjective retro means... Uh, relating to reviving or being the styles and especially the fashions of the past fashionably nostalgic or old fashioned Mm. which uh, well it doesn't really narrow it down it just means in the past which could mean something as far as in 2021 here when we're recording could mean the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One right you know I was thinking about that today I thought you know, is retro just the previous system that's out prior to, you know, again, PS5, so PS4 or Xbox One? Uh, Or is it like we talked about, you know, uh, when I I got into retro gaming, you know, it was really about can it be emulated, you know, and – as emulate as emulators started popping up, and I remember the first you know NES emulator, uh, the Nintendo sixty four, what was it, uh, PJ sixty four or P sixty four? Project sixty four. Project sixty four. Yeah. You know uh, that was so huge, uh, but at the time, that was the newest system that could be emulated even though uh you know i think the playstation 2 was out by then you know so there was plenty of new stuff out there yeah actually Uh, there was a big gap as far as could it be emulated that's so that's an interesting one because i feel like the uh uh time from release to time it can be emulated on a mid-level computer of the time has has stretched as time has gone on like i remember playing an n64 emulator on my dell in 2003 or 4 you know and the dude we're getting a dell ad era um which was pretty close to the time the 64 had still been a recent console and the snes was having emulators on pcs of the time right like, still in the 90s and like 96 i think is when the first uh snes 9x release came although i could do i haven't done some research on that i don't know the exact year but like emulators used to be a lot closer because the nes or snes came out in 2000 or sorry, 2000 in 1991 right and the uh i mean that would have been five years later before the release of the nintendo 64 and what's amazing now is that while things have stretched and i agree with you the time has gotten uh farther apart from when systems can be emulated those systems have become so much more complex uh you know xbox 360 uses you know, 3D video technology uh, that was unheard of before 
uh, before it and the PS3 came out. Same with the PS3, of course. Custom, very custom 3D system. And the idea that that technology could be emulated at the time seemed an impossibility. You know, it was just, I didn't, I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. And now we have Xbox One emulation, you know, or excuse me, Xbox 360 emulation that runs great on a mid-level to high-end PC. And that's amazing to me. That's a good point too, because at some point during the last generation, they added Xbox 360 emulation to the Xbox One. That's right. Uh, which I think was an in-house developed. I mean, so if you're like, <laughs> if you're Microsoft trying to develop an emulator, it's certainly a lot easier than the hobbyist open source stuff that happens now. Um, but there is hobbyist open source stuff happening for the Xbox 360 and PS3 now. Yep. So it's not not and the, happening. And the PS2, was it the PS2 or I think it was, the, excuse me, the PS3, the original edition had emulation for a PS2. So you could run PS2 games on it, but. Well, like, that's complicated. But it, was a, it is complicated because they had a custom chip that was specifically just to really run. So I don't know if it was emulation. Well, Maybe no, it was more. So, the, so I actually do know a bit about this. The, oh, tell me. So we could actually first look at the PS2, which uh, actually just had the chipsets of the PS1, most of the chipsets from the PS1. And so it would just gotcha. recognize that it was a PS1 disc and run like 80% of the PS1 on PS1 hardware native hardware yeah on the native hardware and then it would emulate like a sound processor or something like that for anything else um uh but by the time the ps2 slim came out uh they had largely figured that out and and i think later revisions of the ps2 slim actually were fully software emulated ps1s inside um interesting then the ps3 came out and they did the same thing the Early editions of the PS3 with the four USB ports on the front, those right. had the emotion engine chip, the processor from the PS2 in it, and it did the exact same thing where it just offloaded. The, and that's what I had. I remember yeah. that. I remember thinking it was so cool that it could do both. But you're right. It was just, it was just the same. It was just the chipset. Now on the PS3, didn't they just drop PS2? support yeah. on the slims well Isn't that what they, they know doing? it was later so, or earlier than that so they they first they they cut the emotion engine out of the the motherboard and then they did some software emulated ps2 stuff on on like a mid-level revision of the fat ps3 then they dropped it from the fat ps3 entirely and then they cut it from the slims and everything after i remember uh selling my ps3 and then later getting one and was surprised disappointed of course that it couldn't do ps2 anymore i thought that was uh, uh, a definite bummer uh as at the time i had a pretty big collection of ps2 games that were no longer valid and well that being said 
the PS, every model of the PS3 does software emulation of the PS1. So you can play a PS1 disc in any PS3, uh, but it is a software level emulation. Um, but PS2, it's like, it's all over the place on, on support for that on the PS3. But, but the, the precedent still stands for one prior generation to be, well, backwards compatible. <laughs> and emulation is where that, uh, that word means a specific thing and it, it wouldn't be accurate on most it wouldn't it wouldn't be accurate especially since they were using the chipset of the of the device that it's supposed to be running right uh but the 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 xbox one emulating the ps or the the xbox 360 and the x the original xbox is in a a case of that happening and that's rather interesting Uh, exactly that's true they did full emulation on that and so I guess the question of can this system be emulated, I don't think fulfills the requirement of like, oh, well, it's emulated, so it can be, it's considered retro. Because, retro. Because I'm not sure that right now with a PS5 sitting on my desk that I would consider the PS4 a retro system. I agree. Um, and Even and, the Xbox 360, you know, while I think it's neat that it is being emulated and they're writing some amazing uh, emulators out there for it, uh, it just feels too new. I don't know. You know, I still don't know what to, how to put that down, but it still feels too new to me that. uh, So I think this is a question of, are we just getting too old to know what is or isn't retro because and i realize that we have an age gap and that doesn't really (laughs) (laughs) like i too feel like the ps3 and the 360 just came out uh but right yeah they came out when i was a teenager and i'm now 30 so i like that's a pretty big time gap for something um and it I'm is. trying to think, the, the question is probably hard, and this is the reason it was good to look up the word retro, is because when did any video game start to become considered retro? When was the first video game that somebody said, oh, that's a retro video game? Good question. I feel like a lot of times... You know, I think of the early Pac-Man arcade games, the uh, Missile Command, a lot of those early games. And I think of them as retro a lot of times, I think, because they were later released in retro collections uh, and for newer game systems. So you could play these retro, quote unquote, games. Yeah. Yeah. and so for me, that's what I always kind of go back to is the first ones are really some of the first video games that uh, arcade games specifically that, that uh, were released. So when they ported Donkey Kong to the NES, was Donkey Kong the first retro game? Wait, wait what about when they ported Pac-Man to the Atari 2600? 
which was an abomination of a video game that you could barely call Pac-Man. Right, it was. And I'll tell you, man, I I still love that Atari Pac-Man game because it was an abomination, but I remember getting it, like the day it came out. I was so excited because, you know, Atari finally had an arcade game. Um, And I will say when I got it, it didn't feel retro at all. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was a kid, so retro probably wasn't even in my mind, but you know, the arcade system with the Pac-Man arcade was still very popular. It was, it was in the arcades. People were still playing it frequently. You know, it wasn't like in the corner with dust on it. Uh, So, so that's tough because I, I would, I would struggle with that. Yeah. I also, uh, the reason, I, I think that's too soon, of course. Uh, but it's a good question. It's a yeah. good I think so. So the, the, the I think there's probably uh, the first, like if we're talking about the first retro game, or the first time somebody looked back on a video game with re- reverence, I think would be retro <laughs> recognition. Uh, would be, uh, I probably the first exam, I, I, this is, I'm not a historian of video games, but I think probably something having to do with like an eight bit Mario Sprite showing up in a later Mario game. And I'm not sure the first time this happened, but it definitely happened in super Mario RPG legend of the seven stars. It did. It's like a little, like you walk behind a corner and you come out and you're like an eight bit sprite Mario instead of the little faux three D Mario that is in that game, right. right? And that would have been what year did that game came out? Probably nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five. I think so. And the original Super Mario Brothers was eighty three, eighty four. I don't know, somewhere in the, I, the, to be quite honest, before my time, I don't remember that happening. Right. But I think, and it's a, and, but it would have been know. about a 10 to 15 year gap. So that's, hmm. that's a possible thing to consider. It's just, I think uh, something to consider. I don't think we need to say that that's the rule. I'm just. Sure. Sure. Uh, one of the things that you said was output standards. What did you mean by that? Oh, yeah. So I have on our list here output standards. So uh, today, the output standard for a a, a current generation video game console would be 4K. Right? Uh, But my PS5 can still output a 1080p signal and probably a 720p, although I don't actually know. Uh and then going back a generation, my PS4 could output a definitely a 720p and a 1080p resolution and output. And then my PS3 could do 480, probably I, and all the way up to 1080p. Although most games didn't run in 1080p, but the output resolutions in between all of those it could do the ps2 
was basically only 480i and sometimes 480p. Yeah. And the PS1 was 240p. And then everything before that was 240p. (laughs) But, you know, so my point is, uh, at one point, and the point was the PS3, we switched from a console previous to the PS3 only being able to do an analog signal output. And then the PS3 came out and it could do both an analog signal output and a digital output at those different resolutions. And then the PS4 couldn't do an analog output anymore, not without a, a device, a DAC. And then, um, and then after that, you know, so there was like a, there was a point in time. And so the, the question I guess I'm trying to attach to that is should the rule for what's considered retro be associated with, how it can be displayed and what it can output to? It could. I, I think that it's, you know, it's very similar in some ways. We could almost compare those to a lot of the other things that we've talked about, you know, 1080p versus 240p. I mean, I remember... I, everybody's talking 4K now, but I remember 1080p being such a huge deal when a game could really truly do a 1080p resolution. And uh, that definitely, for me, kind of sets a date and time or a place in time for me of when I was enjoying those games that were running at that scale. Uh, same with 2040. Uh, and it's the same as just like we were the other topic or the other rule that we kind of listed was decades is do we look at the eighties? Do we look at the seventies? Do we look at the nineties? You know, how far do you go back time wise? Will that uh, define retro? And I think in some ways, all of these can, but I still struggle with, which would be the most appropriate for for gaming? If you if you had to pick a rule yourself, what would, what do you think you're the rule that you would probably decide on? What what really helps clarify it for you? I think that if someone were like, that? yeah, if if like gun to my head, they're like, this is a yes. holdup, and I'm the one thing I'm demanding of you to not put a <laughs> bullet in your brain is you tell me what's the rule for what's considered retro. I would probably right. go with that it's just whatever is two generations old and older. So I would say PS3 and older are are considered retro. The PS3 is retro and anything older. I think it's not that simple, like most things in life. But I think that like if I were to say, oh, there has to be a rule and this is it, it would yeah. be, is it two generations old? or older than it is retro. But the problem I have with setting a rule with that, like that is that I don't think it will always be applicable or it couldn't always have been applicable. Well, maybe actually, maybe that is the rule that is most consistent throughout time. 
but I don't, I still don't think it will always be applicable because like, for example, like what if the switch was a flop and it wasn't, but if the switch wasn't incredibly popular, Nintendo would have pivoted again and it would have turned around like immediately on something after the switch. And then we would have had a a rapid succession from the Wii to the Wii U to the switch, whatever came after generations. Right. And so those generations would have been like just an incredible acceleration. And so you wouldn't have been able to be like, well, the Wii U is retro because in fact, the Wii U by that definition isn't retro. Exactly. And what about, you know, we, we've been talking about a lot of the PS, the, the home systems, but for example, uh, a PSP and a PSP Vita. Well, PSP Vita is probably the last, as far as we know, the last portable system that Sony's going to make, which also makes it right now the newest That's right. system. So, and it came out in 2012, so it's almost it, a decade old. It's almost a decade old, yet, of course, it's the newest version of that type of system for Sony. Uh, you know, the PSP, I definitely consider retro, but yet, you know, there's not even two generations. There's literally two generations of that type of system for Sony versus, say, the Game Boy or the DS or the 3DS or... You know, the switch, yeah. the merge of the switch to both portable and home. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think if we had to, you know, gun to the head, uh, <laughs> I would I would say generations, two generations behind would be a good basic standard for uh, for what it is considered retro. But like we were talking about, I think for me, there, you're right. There doesn't have to be a rule per se, because it, there's a lot of, uh, I think for each person, there's an experience of a, a system or a game that uh, they find as retro, you know, versus uh, old versus new or latest system versus oldest system it's more of these are the games that i experienced maybe growing up you know like like we've identified you and i have a pretty big age gap so for me you know playing nintendo uh the nes was very is very retro to me because it was what i was playing when i was growing up what were you playing when you know you were growing up uh the sweet spot for me would be n64 and gamecube those are my like childhood but but honestly uh you know i was a i was a video game nut as a kid so um my uncle gave me a super nintendo when i was like five or six wow and uh i loved that thing and it you know, there was like a thing where you're like a kid and anything that might have existed before you were aware, like you knew it existed before you were aware of it. And so therefore it is old, even though the Super Nintendo and I were the same age. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
the N64, however, was new, and I was aware of that as a kid. And the same thing happened with the uh, GameCube, but like those were my formative years would have been on N64 and, and GameCube. Uh, and so I definitely consider those retro. For sure, for sure. Uh, but I can see how like as someone in college when I was getting the GameCube in 2001, somebody might that at that time might not, they might have a hard time calling that retro. So it's, it's, I, I, I think it's a very fuzzy thing. And, and <laughs> I was just thinking about how like games encompass so many more things now than just like consoles with hardware and coming out in certain decades. Like, I bet you I haven't played it in a, in maybe a decade, but uh, Angry Birds on the iPhone, you could probably still play it on an on a current iPhone. Is that a game that is more than two generations old? Is it like they've had so many you know versions I mean? of that system? They even have a new like it's like a revamped Angry Birds. I saw it on uh, on the Apple Store the other day. And I was like, wow, is it that old that they have a new next gen Angry Birds? Apparently so. Yeah. Well, but do I consider that retro? I Honestly, I don't. I See, I definitely think Angry Birds cannot be retro, but there are definitely kids who, uh, who played Angry Birds right. as, as young kids and Growing are now up. like in college and exactly. they think they're like, Oh, I used to love angry birds. It's so retro. They would consider it retro. Right. I agree. And I think that's where, I think that's where that, that kind of that space of growing up and the, the games that you experienced, I think, you know, and tell me if I'm wrong, but for me, while the, the NES and, yes, the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, though that's definitely my sweet spot uh, for when I was growing up. But also for me, arcades were so important. They were, you know, they were at the malls. They were, they were in, like, plazas. They were everywhere. And even in the small town Idaho where I grew up, arcades, you know, we had multiple arcades, which you in small town Idaho, you don't have multiples of anything. So being able to go to these local arcades, see all the latest, greatest technology and the new video games that were coming out uh, was so such a big part of my retro experience. So when emulators could start emulating arcade games, that was also a really big deal for me because that was a huge part of my generation. How about yeah. for yours? Uh, I loved the idea of arcades but their time had mostly passed by the time i could care right and so there was this place called wonderland and it was uh it was like a nickel arcade and they had some great games although over time you know like chuck e cheese would have been my first introduction to a uh to an arcade type thing probably but then there was a wonderland wonderland was like a nickel thing where they had some games uh that i was interested in others that were 
not so good you know like i was at a very young age was very discerning about what a good video game was and what what bad video game was <laughs> a good video game was you know marvel versus capcom and a bad video game was big buck hunter yes and i like big buck hunter but i was at the arcade to play something beautiful with with handcrafted pixel art and with with a, a clear challenge and goal and big buck hunter was like i'm gonna make a game that's you know a thing that's in real life but worse uh, or like <laughs> top golf both great games honestly but i was at the arcade for i was at the arcade for metal slug i was at the arcade for yes. battle toads i was at the arcade for uh marvel vs. capcom like i already said you know there was like the clearly good games that's right and i remember i mean you know for me and you're right i think that that is one of our generational things because you know i remember when and i've talked about it before probably my favorite arcade game of all time is shinobi and the original 2d shinobi and when that game showed up at a 7-eleven uh I was just amazed. The the art, the, the the story, it was so well crafted, and you could tell somebody put a lot of love into designing those levels, and how you had to master each level. I remember watching this guy that was, I mean, I was probably twelve, and this guy was like thirty, but he beat the game, and I watched him beat the game, and I thought that's amazing, because before that, a lot of games were just on a cycle. They just got harder and harder and harder. And that's all they did. There was no story. There was nothing. But to me, that was so groundbreaking. Or Contra, or I remember when Super Contra came out, and that was just like, there was like a line of kids waiting to play that video game at the arcades. Uh, arcades. But arcades nowadays, like converted over time. And I'm sure you saw the beginning of it and I saw the end of it. Uh, yeah. and that was, um, the shift from like, Oh, we want to make a game that is challenging, but engaging so that you want to keep pumping quarters into it Yeah. to, we don't really care if it's that engaging because the hook that'll keep you pumping quarters into it is it's going to spit tickets out or give you a prize at the end. <laughs> That's right. And, That's right. And so like the arcades, during my interest in them shifted from good games i would say like like a metal slug or excellent game yeah like uh i I played hours of metal slug in arcades um you know just excellent games like that good games to to and metal slug's hard metal slug is a quarter extractor it it is but it but Again, but you were willing to put the money into it because you yeah, wanted to keep playing. But it shifted from that to like, oh, there's no ultimate. It's just how far can you get in it to like, uh, I, I'm trying to even, there's like a the Sega UFO game. You know what I'm talking about? They've got, it's, it's, it's like a fancified claw machine, essentially. Ah, uh, gotcha. Where they're, 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 um, We'll say uh, interval release based game, uh, where you can adjust wow. you can adjust the interval at which it will allow the odds to be in a player's favor, and then give. So there was like, you know, crank games, 
they were like one in an arcade in the early 80s and then along seas of you know uh you got you got your metal slugs you got your pac-mans you got your donkey kongs you got your uh your sit-in game, you know, your road rashes where you're leaning on a bike. You got Absolutely. all these really excellent games. You got one claw machine to like, you got one worthwhile video game and a sea of clock machine, uh, claw machines or what amount to a clock machine, claw machine. That is so sad, but it's true. I, I, I agree. My nephews, you know, as they were growing up, it was those pizza party places that, yeah everybody was going to that and they were all like you said prize machines and that's all that you know i would have to give a quarter to my nephew to so that he would play pac-man you know because all he wanted of course was the prizes you know for you know ten thousand points or whatever the ridiculous amount was right Uh, but and it's sad i you know i i went to japan in 2008 which is sadly forever ago but i was so excited to see full-blown arcades there and that they were making really good games still and they just weren't bothering to bring them to the u.s until usually until they were put on disc for assist a gaming system uh and that was pretty sad to see because there were some amazing games that i was so excited to play and uh i never saw them in the u.s at that point yeah and and even in japan now a lot of those arcades are closing or you know gotcha shutting down which is well they've 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 turned a lot of those kinds of things into gotcha machines yes that's right or uh uh what do they call is it is it just gotcha the the they're basically gambling machines in japan where they spit out the little balls and then you take the balls to a pachinko Pachinko. pachinko that's right yeah pachinko. got a lot of pachinkos um, yeah pachinko and big, yeah the, pachinko pachinkos have now. their own huge arcades now yeah. yeah that's right and uh i tried playing one and i failed miserably i was not skilled at it, it it's a skill and luck but there's definitely well, some like skill a po- there. poker is a skill blackjack right. is a skill that's right there's, there's there's luck and skill that's right but yeah um, i could not do those games yeah anyway arcades are retro i would say absolutely i would would agree i the other day i finally got on lp as you know i love collecting records and i got the tron soundtrack and i was so excited the original tron movie from 1983 or again it still had an original uh, certificate for Aladdin's arcade where you got uh, five free tokens. And so it says, it said like, see the movie, play the game, which is, you know, Tron of the arcade game is a definitely a retro classic for me. And uh, it was just so cool. That paper is worthless to everybody, but me, you know, I don't know anybody else that it would even care that it still had that in there. But I thought that was so amazing that this, this, ancient record still had the original gift certificate for arcade tokens you know and somebody gets that today they wouldn't even know what a token is yeah which Uh, makes it which maybe (laughs) for me makes that retro you know (laughs) yeah i so for whatever reason you have 
uh, unlocked a memory in my mind of probably the last big arcade that was not deliberately retro that I went to. Because, like, now there's arcades that are, like, uh, museum pieces or they're, like, oh, arcades, yeah, there's, you know. I like love the, of... you know, the arcade bars that you can go to mm -hmm. now. I mean, Chicago, when I was living there, we had, like, three of them. And they were all retro games and then a big bar with just a ton of taps, you know. Yep. So those are those are cool. Those are excellent, and I love that they're, they're popular that's not, again. That's but those not are like uh, those are deliberate recognition of retro. They are. And so when I was in seventh grade, I want to say I went to Reno, Nevada, with my middle school jazz band. Wow. And uh, in Reno, Nevada, they have casinos, of course. They do. But they also have. Well, I guess Circus Circus is a casino, but Circus Circus. You, you, 11 year olds can't do casinos. That's right. You can't gamble as an 11 year old, but you know what you can do is you can play video games or yes. prize machines or whatever. Uh, so, you know, there's a, a band of 20 some 11, 12 year olds uh, and they have like an arcade area, a big one. Cause it's circus circus and it's actually huge. Um, and there wow. was a game I played a whole bunch. Like I just spent the entire hour or two or whatever we were given at the time that evening to play basically this one game. And it was, uh, virtual on, I can't even remember. Oh the entire yeah. The virtual game. on. It was made by Sega and yes that game was that was an amazing game i i definitely had a I cyber troopers yeah cyber troopers virtual on yes uh and so this was a great so this was during the time that the dreamcast that's right uh, would have been around its very short-lived life uh but the dreamcast actually was a very uh it was like an extremely arcade system in a box. Um, like it, it's hardware matches a lot of the arcade systems that Sega the was putting only out arcade at that time. systems, yeah. all of those. Yes, that's right. And I uh, mean, I bought I bought a Dreamcast pretty in much for, for Virtual <laughs> On. Yeah, back in '99, you know, Virtual uh, On was that game was so fun. The Dreamcast uh, controller is terrible for Virtual On. I'll say was, that. It was. Uh, it was. But um, I played that game a whole bunch in an arcade, and I, I just awesome. loved it. The graphics blew my mind because these robot, these Japanese, cool Japanese-looking robots were running around in a in a environment where you're shooting stuff, and uh, I thought it was. I thought it was. Wild. And it was. It was very. It was. You know, the Dreamcast really, and the arcade coinciding arcade games really brought some of the first I struggle to say realistic 3D but it was one of the biggest system it was so ahead of so many systems because the 3D was that was so much better than a lot of the, the systems that were current out there you know well, I think that that actually can be possibly a consideration of what is make something retro and of course arcades don't really get new game releases anymore but maybe that's part of what <laughs> i guess you can't do this because eventually the ps5 will be retro and there will never have been an arcade game that was in you know there yeah before which is too bad in some but, way. well 
in a lot of ways for me but yeah but no my point is that like oh maybe for now what is retro is was it ever like around the thing <laughs> During... that, that arcades were doing it first right and i think i think for both of our well especially for my generation i it certainly was that was certainly a part of it right like the dreamcast might have been the last home console that was trying to put arcades in your home Mm -hmm. and then the ps2 came along and was like we don't care about arcades (laughs) just just go on just this is this is things are being made for this we're just making games just for the ps2 that's right they were the and you know sony really invented i feel exclusives you know game exclusives and uh and so you wanted a PS2 because you couldn't play it at the arcade. You couldn't play it on what other competing systems were out there. And honestly, that was one of the things that I think really hurt the Dreamcast was aside from their own Sega made games, they didn't have a lot of exclusives. And and I think that among other things certainly hurt them. Yeah. Uh, so let's go down was, a short list. Let's go down a short list of things and just... You and I will both say yes or no. Okay. And 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 the question is, is this retro? And we can differ, and because it doesn't matter, it's all for fun. That's right. Um, <laughs> the whole podcast is for fun. It no, no gun to the head for you. There is no gun to our heads. That's um, right. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna list a name, some names of things, and you're gonna. We're gonna say, is it retro? Yes or no? Okay. So I think where I'm going to start with, and I might not be consistent in timelines on things, but uh, is it retro um, Atari 2600? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Is it retro NES? Yes. Yes. Is it retro Sega Master System? Yes. Yes. Uh, Super Nintendo and Genesis? Definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> how about I'll skip I'll skip yeah, around a little bit. Skip around. How yeah. about one we've talked about the place PlayStation Portable Vista? Uh, the Vita. Vita, sorry, Vita. I don't know where Vista. Is it retro? The Vita. Ooh. <laughs> the, yeah, the Vita. Ah. It's a tough one. Mm. It, it, it is being no. emulated. It's being emulated. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with no. Okay. Why no? And, uh, because it's not being emulated well. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> and uh, there are still games. Actually, I think just it was like last week, but there were games still being launched on it this year. And uh, it. Okay, it's mostly those two things, I think. Uh, it outputs in a format that is with current technologies. OLED displays are still a current technology. Right. It uh, still runs a processor that is, you know, it's an old processor, but it's still like the kind of processors that are being used, which cannot be said the same of the Xbox 360 and the PS3 uh, or any of the other consoles older than those. It is... Uh, still compatible with a feature on current systems and that is playstation remote play 
Now, didn't they turn that off or is it still turned on? It's so no, it still functions on the Vita, but not on the PS5, only on the PS4. On the PS4. Okay. Yeah. Um it still uses and is compatible with Bluetooth devices that are available today for purchase. And I, you I think know, I got I, a lot of reasons that it's still. I think you've got a lot of reasons, now. and you know, I I struggle with this one, and I agree. I agree with all the reasons that you said, all all valid. Uh, the only reason I struggle is because, like we we're talking about man, it is, it's been around since 2012. You know, it's a pretty old system when you look at years. That being said, uh, I still think it's a unique system because it's the one it's, it's discontinued. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, you know, support for it's been dropped, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly hackable if you want to talk about, uh, some of, other things that's another reason that you could consider something retro is is it hackable nowadays because hackable hackability has become such of course a huge thing for uh gaming systems i would probably disagree with that being a true definition of retro but being how popular it's become including my own personal hobbies of just for the fun of it uh i certainly enjoy going in and trying to hack the different systems, but I still don't consider one or the other retro or not. Uh, the discontinued, I guess, is what I struggle with in the age. But minus those two things, I would agree with you that it's not retro. Yeah. At this point. The PSP, for sure. Oh, for PSP's, sure the PSP's store got shut down. So not only have new games not released on it for... Yeah, probably a decade, but also the you cannot buy shut down. new games on it. That's right. Uh, anyway. Okay, so how about the 3DS then? I'm gonna go with no, not retro. I agree again, and, it, and and this one's like weird and barely, but the 3DS <laughs> was only just replaced by the Switch four or five years ago, whenever the Switch came out. Yes. And uh, and it technically is the direct predecessor to the Switch. There are still... Here's another big piece that we didn't really cover yet is, is there are still games for that system that have not yet made their way to current systems. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's no, like, port of Super Mario 3D Land... Or a Legend of Zelda: a Link Between Worlds, which I guess is not really fair to argue because Nintendo never does that stuff, <laughs> or they haven't True. been. But they also make sequels on their next generation as well. Yeah. So you know, it's it's kind of a tough one when you. I agree with you. Though, yeah, that one's weird. It's it's, it's a, weird, one's one. a weird one. And but Nintendo's the 3DS, uh, I'll breaks agree with every rule. Yeah. The DS absolutely is retro. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Same kind of thing, you know. It's been around for obviously a while. No longer making games for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of the games on it have been superseded a couple yeah, of times. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is hmm. 
yeah well i guess we'll just go to the the line i guess so like is it retro the the ps2 and the gamecube and the original xbox you know i think they are i do you know i i think they do uh or or they are um yes for me also it's this is where we get into the fuzzy section yeah the xbox 360 is fuzzy to me is the 360 and the ps3 (laughs) and i guess the wii is the same generation are they retro I think those ones are where it's going to come down to generational. I think yeah. that for us is fuzzy. Yeah. Especially I, for you and I, because we saw the, all of those very clearly as adults and saw them fade away. Uh, but yeah, they're just, for me, they're just, they're right on that edge. They're, they're still too new to me, I guess, to really, I would say right now, no, but ask me again in a couple of years and I'll probably say yes. Yeah. I think just barely, just barely. I think just barely they're retro. All right. Which is a little double, there's a little two faced of me because the Vita, <laughs> the Vita and the PS three stores are inextricably linked. And, uh, well, they, uh, I just said no on the Vita, but yes, on the PS three. Um, but the PS3 is can output analog. Yeah. Which I think makes it kind of retro. The fact that I can plug it into my PVM is wild. Um, <laughs> True. Without an adapter, just a regular old PS3 cable. In fact, yeah, I could yeah. actually put S video from the PS3 on this. Anyway. Did it really? Wow. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've had a PS3, honestly. It's, yeah. Well, I've, so. I've been playing them this year. Uh, and, and playing the PS3 this year. Here's the thing. I think you'll know when it's retro, when you go back to it and you go, this is a little rough. There's a lot of things I didn't remember were so rough about this. <laughs> and over time, that will become more of its charm. That's right. Some of that roughness for sure is the charm, you know, eight bit to 16 bit, all of that roughness. Yeah. Was... But I think people considered Mario retro for eight bit super Mario Sprite. Uh, at the time they were going like, Oh man, wasn't that so funny? He only had three colors in his Sprite. Exactly. Was it? Yeah. I think it was just three or four colors in his Sprite. And I think that that was, you know, they were going, oh, that's rough. That's that's a little harder of an edge than I remembered. And I think that that was like part of what defined it as retro. Same with the 360. It, you go back to that and you're like, oh, uh, this thing's very loud. Like, I know everyone jokes about how loud the PS4 could get, but the 360, I just plugged it in a month or so ago and it was so loud I couldn't bear it. I, I believe it. I I remember when my first 360 red ringed, not because I saw the ring, but because it went silent. And <laughs> then I saw the red ring. So, yeah. you know, it was like, that's how loud it was, was yeah. that I knew my system had failed, hardware failure, before I even saw the, 
the red, the famous red ring on the, on the machine. It, it was just, it went quiet. Yeah. So it is, this is the line where we're, <laughs> we're finding, this is why I wanted to do the yes, no thing is like, Oh, yeah. well, what's it? Because I don't think it's fair to like, look at, Oh, well, I was a kid. Cause like there are kids to, or they're like, yeah, there are young adults, teenagers today who are looking at the games they played as younger kids as retro, right? They're looking at mine. Minecraft is, is going to be retro to some of these kids. Isn't that amazing? It just, yes, exactly. And I think that that's the, I think for you and I, even though there's a generation gap there, it, we still have a lot of similar experiences with systems that we got to play with. Now, mind you, my Nintendo 64, I remember I was in college when that came out and I was in line at Target at 5 a.m. to get, that was one of the first systems I ever got in line to try to get because they had a real shortage of them. And I was so mad because I'd already bought a game for it. So I was like, I better get one of these. And, uh, I was number three in line. They had five units at this one stupid target in Bend, Oregon. And uh, I was so happy I got one. But again, I was in college at that point. And how old were you when the 64 came out? Five. See? Totally. <laughs> so where, you know. Or maybe was, six. So again, there's that that gap of difference of, that's going to be for everybody, every, every person that I think is going to really help define retro, you know, for, for us in general, I think you and I have a pretty good line. That's actually pretty similar to my surprise of what you and I consider retro. So that's, that's pretty good. And I, I know that that's going to work well, I think with our podcast. Yeah. Okay, so the release date of the Nintendo 64 was in 1996, and I was born yeah. in 1991, and it came out after my birthday that year, so I would have been five. Wow, five years old. Yeah. Uh, huh. I remember seeing commercials for the Nintendo 64 about Super Mario 64, of course, and Banjo-Kazooie Banjo was the game I wanted a six and nintendo 64 for and that was like my first game that came when my parents bought it for me that was what came with it really mario 64 was the one that i had pre-purchased because yeah. somehow they had i can't even remember how they even allowed this but yeah you could buy the games before the system even was released it was only a couple weeks but i figured i better get one just in case you know because uh, i knew eventually i'd get the system one way or the other but it is interesting that we're finding the same line. And I think that means that there is some sort of universal truth to what is or isn't retro. I think especially right now, like you said, 20 years from now, when Minecraft is retro to a bunch of children. Uh, 20 years is not where it's like, I think what, like this is a whole other part of it that we can't, we don't have the time to go into, but like Minecraft is being considered retro now. Because the wow. ideas, the foundation that Minecraft laid has been built upon and by games like Roblox and Fortnite. And so Absolutely. part of what can be 
retro is that it has been built on top of like they're now the titans that that the current games are standing on top like the shoulders they're standing on you know and and i guess the ps3 and the 360s shoulders are online network connectivity and downloadable games and downloadable infrastructure and 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 so and that's a good point that was a huge change for for yeah all of us i think because you know it took me a long time to get over not wanting to own the disc to have something physical you know i was yeah. so big on having that physical object of the game the box the all of that and now i could care less but at the time it was huge huge yeah and and maybe the infrastructure like so I, I think maybe the thing that will make this will be the defining feature that makes what is not definitely not retro in my opinion, excuse me, definitely not retro in my opinion would be the PS4 and the Xbox one and the shoulders to stand on there eventually when they are considered retro and it is not a novelty is going to be live service live services video games yeah. as a service right like sure like your destinies and your seas of thieves and your uh heck i mean you could even say like constant release pattern of of stuff like animal crossing or super smash bros ultimate like those are the the current thing that will make yes. them retro when we yes. look back on them in 15 years. Yeah. Good uh, point. So I think where we've landed, maybe you will or won't agree with me is that there is no true defining rule, but it's like when the Supreme court was trying to define what pornography was and it was like, well, we can't give you a definition, but we know it when we see it. Yes. I think ultimately <laughs> that that is where the line is for retro. It's like, well, we're pretty sure it's around here. Yeah. Uh, I and agree. It's just a fun thing to talk about. So yeah, for and it certainly me. was fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, Matt, on this podcast as ever or as will be ever. Uh. So where the sign off for now is going to be that I've created an email address for people to reach us at. And I'm pretty sure based on our uh, stats that you and I are the only people to have listened to episode zero so far, which is good. I'm not saying that hey, we were my mom listened else. to it. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, then. Uh, <laughs> Maybe three I shouldn't people. admit that. No, no, yes, it's fine. I just see I see two total plays and two audience members that it's estimating. estimating. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, interesting. But to be fair, we I did not publish like wide. I just it's on the feed, and there's not like a. I didn't ask anyone to listen to it. Um, so if people are interested in reaching out to us, I've set up an uh, email address, and it is retro res pod, R E T R O retro res res pod pod at gmail.com 
Uh, and you can send us emails. Matt and I both have the login. That's right. And uh, we will consider incorporating those questions into the Questions, show. future topics, whatever. Yeah, questions, Sunday. future topics. Absolutely. I think maybe we don't want to just commit to having question, like a question section of every episode. I think maybe right. we should collect the questions and do a whole episode on questions. I agree. Uh, so that's, that was the show. That was episode one. Next time episode we'll one. talk about a different topic that we haven't decided yet. That's right. All right. Thank you.